Hello, my name is Albert Bonnet and welcome to another episode of my podcast about authentic storytelling. Today, I give you an interview with Sophie McLean. She's been leading transformational seminars for many, many years. And with her, we talk about how language creates our reality, about the art of listening, about the ego, and of course, about authentic storytelling. So here I am in the French Provence uh, near Marcel. It's my first time here. I and I'm next to Sophie McLean. Hello, Sophie. Hello. Thank Albert. you very much for being part of my adventure. <laughs> Sophie was introduced to me as a public speaker, uh, as a person who wants to transform the lives of millions of humanity yeah. and was introduced to me also as an author and actually as the author of this book, The Elegance of Simplicity, that we will be talking about quite a lot in this interview, if that's all right with you. So, Sophie, now we've been discussing, how should I introduce you? How should I introduce you? Now I want you to tell me who you are and what is your mission. All right. So, um Who I am, it's a difficult question, right? Because you can answer it being wise or, or being ordinary. It's, a, it's in fact an impossible question because who I really am is who I create myself to be. And uh, to make it easier, from a very early age, I, I, I experienced that um, There was something possible in life that we were not capturing. That I, I had a very uh, privileged childhood as far as love is concerned and nurturing and tenderness. So I had no complaints whatsoever. And I could see that there was suffering and conflicts. And, and so I started reading a lot. And uh, I read all the wisdom of the ages. Until I got to the book of Homer, the Iliad and l'Odyssée. And as I read those books, I realized that was, I think, eight centuries before Christ. I realized that human being had not progressed in any way, shape or form. <laughs> that everything else had moved, right? We have technology, medicine, science, computer science. I mean, everything has moved except human beings. And um, it's now becoming dangerous. So I don't want to be the dread person that says it's dangerous. But if you put a very powerful weapon in the hand of a child, you're insane, right? We wouldn't do that. You, even the key to your car, you wouldn't give to your six-year-old. So if you imagine human being with this enormous power at their, as at their disposal, and their bigness has not altered. So I trained myself to, to look at the very design of human being and discovered that, in fact, we were not at all educated as far as the ego was concerned, that for us the ego was being arrogant or being superior or dominating people. But in fact, the ego is everything other than us. Mm. So I trained myself, mastered the design of the ego. And by mastering, I don't mean that I know it all. It's a constant uh, pursuit. Mm. I like the definition you give of ego 
uh, at the end of the book in the glossary. You say the ego is the sum of all identifications. That's right. Okay, so you know that my series of interviews are about authentic storytelling, right? How does the ego relate to authenticity? Can somebody be uh, identified with our ego, with our pains, with our sufferings, with our stories and be authentic? No. No, if you identify with it, you can't. Now, it's a very, you know, life is a paradox, right? Everything mm. is a paradox. So, we need an ego to function on this, in this dimension, in this world, in this material dimension. We do need an ego. If you think the ego is who you are, you are inauthentic. Okay. So, do you see the paradox? You do need an ego, but you have to know you're making it up and you're creating it. So, then you're saying what we are is not our ego, is not our bodies, is not our mind, is not how we operate in this world. What we are is what? <laughs> oh, if I had that answer... <laughs> I would be wise indeed, right? Um, I can't answer that question like uh, in a few words. I can only have the experience of what I call consciousness, which is very difficult to put into words. In fact, the only access you have to consciousness is by talking about what it is not. Okay. That's why I can't quite answer that question. That is kind of an, the answer that Morpheus gives Neo in The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> I must watch the movie again. <laughs> it's like you cannot tell what The Matrix is. You have to experience it for That's yourself. Right. That's right. It is, it is very real. It is very real. And it, I know it can be frustrating. You know, there are so many stories about Zen masters and wise men that answer by riddles and and... But I understand it now. It's, it, you really, language is too limiting. I want to talk about language. Okay, language. I want to ask you about language yes. because uh, I've always thought, and I'm so glad that a wise person uh, has the same opinion, that language shapes reality. Language creates reality. Mm -hmm. Now, in your book, you talk about two kinds of languages, the descriptional language mm -hmm. and the declarational mm. language. Can you tell me about the difference between the both of them? Okay, can I go back to language uh, creating reality first? Absolutely. Right? So, so again, another paradox is that the only tool we have to create in this dimension is language, and language is limited. As, for example, I can't talk about consciousness. I can only talk about what it is not. Right? And not only that, but there's a range of emotions that is limitless, that are, that are un unlimited, and language does not make, um, does not honor all that immense rainbow of, of the range of what the human beings can feel, right? Um, we could describe any emotions we wanted to, we could just make up words, but then we go to what you were asking me about between description and declaration. Right? So most of us use the language of description. Which, so to describe something, you're not the thing itself. right? You talk about the thing. So if I talk about your jacket, I can talk about it, I can describe it, but my talking about it doesn't make any difference about the jacket. The jacket would be blue and be, you know, the way it is. So when you use the language of description, you don't have any power to alter what is. You, you, 
you are a little bit like a spectator watching something. Then the experience of using that language is, is, is one of, um, I do not have a say in the matter of life. Now there is another language that um, is called the language of declaration. And that is the one that creates your reality. So when you have, um, um, I mean marriage, marriage, being married is the example that is the simplest. So I'm going to take it again. It's you, you get ready to get married. You get engaged, you introduce the other person to your parents or whatever you do, right? You're not married yet. You, you prepare the whole ceremony, you're not married yet. You go in front of the person that can marry you that person goes blah, 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 blah. You're not married yet. And then at one point, that person says, I declare you husband and wife or husband and husband and wife and wife, right? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And at that moment, you married. That's the language of declaration. And if you ever tried <laughs> to get divorced, you see, it's very real, <laughs> right? And that language is extremely powerful because in the moment of the declaration, you create a future that didn't exist before. And it's not fulfilled, that future. It's not the future one day I'll get to it. It's a future now. The moment you say, yes, you are married until death do you part, or I can't remember exactly <laughs> the, the vows, right? So that language is available to everybody and can indeed create your life. So uh, when you have a sensation like your heart beating fast, your heart rate going up, you can either say, I am scared, I'm happy, I'm excited. What you will say will give you your experience of being alive. Okay? So that is the whole uh, language we have available to end. As we said, language is limited. So, in fact, the um, fulfillment that people are looking for is beyond language. It is having the experience of something. So, when you look at a tree, you can look at the tree and say it's beautiful. Okay, that's the language of description. Is right? it? Isn't it? I'm not sure. I was actually going to ask you, let me see if I got it right. So have a glass of water with water in, yeah. in here. And so if I, if I am descriptive, I'm saying this is a glass with water. But if I'm declarational, so let me see if I do, it, do this well. So I, I want to be declarational now. And I'm declaring that this water is going to hydrate me, nourish me, and give me life. Yes, but that is too simplistic. You see, you can't... The language of declaration... Okay, you, you could say that. I mean, technically, uh, you could say, okay, that's the language of declaration, right? Okay. And your example, even if it's correct, doesn't capture the power of language. Nor the third option that I was talking about which is the experience of the thing itself. Then you, know, you have no separation whatsoever. You know, there are some people that speak about being nature, being the tree. Yeah. There is being the universe. 
Yeah. Right. That's beyond language. So all these tree huggers in between, you know, I count uh, amongst them. Uh, so, but that's not language then, that is, that is being, that is experiencing. It's be beyond language, yes. That's why we go back to what we said, language is limiting and is the tool we have on this dimension. So, there is descriptional language, declarational language, and then there's experience. So, which of these three, which one makes you create your life, allows you to create your life, and which one makes you be just an expectator of your life? I so don't operate in this world, Albert. I, I, there is no need to choose. Okay. This is a wide range you have available to you. You choose what you want. So I can use descriptive language and still be creating my life. Well, of course, you can sometimes sit down, sometimes stand up, sometimes cry, sometimes laugh. The whole range, I think the whole of life is an experience. I think, in fact, life is only and always an experience. So why choose one against the other? No, you can have abundance and have it all. I mean, there is some day I'm miserable and I wallow in it 100% and some day I'm in full abundance and joy and I, the key is to not resist anything. Not to resist anything, mm -mm. to go with the flow. No, <laughs> it's very different. Okay, let go? Yeah, more let go. The, 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 I think people call it accepting, acceptation. It's the, the willingness to experience what is at the moment. Without adding meaning. Or adding the meaning I wanted to add. Or at least knowing that the meaning you add is not the truth. That's, quite, that's what awareness is. I don't think you can stop adding meaning except with a very high level of training and constant awareness. But we, because we give meanings all the time. As human beings, we interpret. This is what language is for. It's very useful. Just know your interpretations are not the truth. So then, <laughs> what is the truth? Well, maybe there is none. <laughs> you look stunned. Yeah, <laughs> because I am a truth seeker. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I feel sorry for you, right? <laughs> <That's why. laughs> well, it's just that you're going to work very hard to find something that I don't think is available to us again in this dimension. See, mm. any truth means that somebody that is, doesn't agree with you has not the truth. Therefore, you go into dogmas. And dogmas are very dangerous and, and the source of many pain and suffering in the world. Anybody that believes they have the truth, capital T, mm. will get into conflicts and domination. But you can create your own truth knowing it's not the truth. Okay, um, so isn't that what um, filmmakers do, for example? Uh, they express the truth and then the people that vibrate with it uh, feel inspired by it. Would you agree? So they express their point of view, their, uh, their point of view or their truth, as you say. And then, yes, some people will share in their truth. Some others won't, but will get to think. See, I, I, I attempt as much as I can to listen to as many point of view as I can in life. 
even the ones that are difficult to hear. Like that, I, I feel I expand my experience. It is difficult to live that way because it's much easier to be right mm. and righteous. Mm. I, have, I know how it is. But um, it is a source of conflict. Okay, let's get real here. Let's go a bit deeper. Because <laughs> you've been, for, for many years you've yeah. been leading seminars, yeah. um, personal growth seminars, should I describe them like that? Helping people transform. Uh, well, I never help people because you only help people that are helpless. So I would certainly help. I would never help someone that would be really insulting for me. I mean, I help children, for example, little children to walk or something. So I support people or I train people or I... Um, but help is really a trap. Okay. Yeah. I never so considered I let, it like yeah, that. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, if somebody is really in a dark hole, I, I will help them to get out. But, you know, straight away, I will make sure they have the power to take care of themselves. Okay, so uh, I'm holding... I'm sorry, I'm bringing back the, the glass. I'm holding this, this glass. Can yes. you support me in holding the glass? You don't need it. You're doing very well. Okay, Oh, but my, my muscle is really tired now. It's just, so, I feel no, like I'm dropping want, it. So then you want some help? Yeah, it's help. Yeah, yes. can, can you help me? Well, yes, I would help you if you really had a physical problem. Okay. Yeah. Can, we, can, we, can that we pretend that I have a physical sure, problem? Sure, I, I will you, there. Okay. there. But, okay, but you took it off me. You didn't, yes. So is that, is that That's help? Helping. That's yes. helping. That's helping. So what's the difference between helping and doing something for me? Uh... uh you ask questions that are so difficult. Helping is helping. That means if your arm is too weak to help hold the glass, yes. I'll hold it for you. Okay. okay. Now, if I want to support you, then I will say, Albert, you go to the gym, my dear, and I'll come with you and you'll do some uh, weight training so that you can carry a glass to your mouth. That will be support. Help will be to take the glass from you. Okay, yeah. thank you for that distinction. Yes. So I, I, I trained people for years into awareness, right? In, in, in examining their lives. Um, you know, we're very busy. Everybody's very busy, very, very, very busy all the time. And just examining your life, just by itself, with no answers. You don't need answers. Just taking the time to examine your opinion, your actions, your feelings, your judgment. Um, that is by itself transformational. Everybody's a philosopher at heart. I, I mean, I've never met, I mean, even children. They're amazing when you talk with children about death and love and... That's what awareness is. It's not to take anything for granted. Just question everything. So, you know, one of my dreams is to have um, honest media. Honest media. Honest TV. Honest radio. Honest um, internet. Uh, honest uh, TV shows. Honest newspapers. Honest books. In a way that it supports people instead of massaging their big egos. And how can you do that? 
That's a question I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you only, the, the problem with the media is that all we have is a point of view. So you might evaluate your point of view as, as you say, honest. I think you mean authentic. But it's still a point of view. So maybe the way to have authentic media that will really provide people with the opportunity to make up their own point of view will be a media that will give so many different point of view that people will say, will look, let's say, at 10 point of views and then make up their own. The problem with the ego is that we don't like watching different point of views because it invalidates ours. So mostly what we do as people, we, we watch what goes um, in agreement with our own point of view. And that's related to what you mentioned in the book about, about listening, that really people don't listen. They hear, and you can hear from your egos, but you, to listen is not a passive um, action, is, is very active. Mm -hmm. It's to, to create um, a connection with another human being. How, how, how do you do that when there's a camera in, in between? Um, I don't understand the camera. Listening. Yes, yeah, but why, so why did you talk about the camera? There's people that, that oh, oh, be for the media. watching this oh, right, right, right. through this medium right, that right, is right, video. Right, right. Oh, right. Okay, I can answer your question. So, I understand. And, and you, you were earlier, if I, if I can say, were earlier mentioning that you want to make, record these videos for your website. Mm. And I was suggesting look at the camera because you're talking to people right. that are watching your, your website. Right. So how do you allow or mm. create the space to create real listening mm. when there's a medium in between? I don't think the medium is that much of a problem. It all comes from you. That's the good news, by the way. It's always you, right? So, uh, because if it's not you, then you have no power. So mm. the camera is just an object. Like right now, I know you're filming me, but I'm interested in giving you what I have to give you and answering your question as much as I can. And then whoever will watch the video, maybe it will make a difference with them, right? The camera is just a tool, so it's not much interest to me. So the art of listening and the access is very simple the elegance of simplicity yes <laughs> it's giving up you have to give up everything you have to give up your opinion your opinion about my nose my eyes my clothes uh, you have to give up my accent your opinion your judgment your evaluations your fear your 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 comment about what i'm saying all that has to be given up so there is nothing and when there is nothing from you, then you will actually be able to listen and have an experience of the other person. See, that is so extraordinary. Can you imagine if we could, by listening to people, actually have an experience of what it is to be them? Do you see how rich our life will be? Whoever you would meet, you will get an, another experience of life. And life is an experience. So it's a question of, of um, it's an adventure for me. Truly, it's a gift. I mean, it's a gift. It's, um, you give up everything. Everything. 
many opinion, judgment, evaluation, fear, thinking about something else, commenting about what the other person just said, agreeing, disagreeing, right, wrong, good, bad. Okay, give up everything. Then you have an experience of the other person. Is that what the mysticals uh, talk about, unity? Having the experience of all being one? Uh, uh, so, let's see. Um, the experience... No, I, I think it might be the access, but the oneness you're talking about is beyond language. That we talk about the realm of consciousness. The realm of listening is still in this dimension and in language, right? But we have to bypass our ego to be able to truly, authentically listen. You have to own or tell the truth about it if you want. Bypass ego, it's a bit strange. As a, I mean, so how are you going to bypass your ego? Do you know what I mean? You have to be aware of it. Okay, so this is something that I just, just recently learned, right? That, um, that my ego is always going to stay there for the rest of my life, talking to me, telling me these stories. And it's just my choice whether to buy those stories or not to buy them. Mm. Yes, is mm. that what you, what you would say? Okay, so we build our ego as a protection. Very young age, you build. And the ego is what you call your persona, or your personality, or your character. Now, that character works. There is a side of it that works and there is a side of it that doesn't work. Like we all know that they are, we have strong points and weak points, right? So all that is the ego. Okay, so there, it's not all bad. In fact, with that ego, I don't know if we could survive on this earth. Right? Awareness is when you are conscious of being the source of your ego, And that consciousness, or awareness, sorry, awareness, let's not mix everything, that awareness allows you to get out of that trap that you build, which is quite limited, and have the full range of being. Right? So I'll give you an example, it will be easier. Yes. My ego was a kind of superwoman, right? So I, I just like save people and superwoman and... That was my strong side, right? And then the, the, the pitfall for me was loneliness because, you know, Superwoman is not very social, you understand. She's perched on a roof somewhere by herself <laughs> waiting for who to save, you understand? <laughs> um, and then when I got what my ego was and, and that I had created it and I was responsible for it, then the full range of being was available to you, so to me. So, so, for example, when I go on a date, right? Superwoman, not, not too good. Not too good. It's a bit intimidating. So now I'm able to be charming or sexy or funny, which I wasn't inside of the small trap that I had constructed called my character. See? So, in fact, liberation comes from being aware of having constructed your ego. And then, and then you f you're free. You're liberated. How... Were you being authentic when you were uh, leading the seminars, doing public speaking? Um, because um, so I, I, I'm doing some, some public speaking training as well. I've been doing it for the last three years. And um, I'm very aware that sometimes when I get up on the stage, sometimes it's like I transform. It's, like it's, it's not myself. Yeah. So sometimes I'm very aware of uh, my movements, my words, my tone. Sometimes I'm not. I just 
like get flowing. I kind of forget what I say. How was your experience, and how is nowadays your experience in with public speaking? Well, it depends what my intention is, right? But when I led all those seminars, my intention was to give access to transformation to people, and I care a lot. I don't ask me why. I just care for people. I'm not saying I like people. <laughs> I mean, I do like them, but, you know, sometimes some are not very attractive. But I care. I care that, that they, they live life to the fullest. I, I, I don't know why. And uh, so my attention when I led the seminar was on them. And that is so delicious. Because when your attention is on you, really, you say that's your ego, right? And it's heavy. You, you, we all know that. We have this little voice in our head, we just agonize over doing the right thing or the wrong thing. So I adore leading because then I'm over there with the people. And uh, frankly, then I don't care how I look or how I sound or, or should I lose some weight or, <laughs> you know, what do they think about me? Because I'm over there for them. And I think that's why people say when, when the fulfillment of life is to serve others, the Dalai Lama said it, and I never forgot, he said, if you seek enlightenment for yourself, you're a fool. But if you seek enlightenment to give it to others, then you're a wise person. And, um, and the experience matches what you do. So if you seek enlightenment for yourself, you're really, in fact, adding to the trap of the ego. Why did you write this book? Why did I write it? Well, I'm, you know, um, I've had a very full life. I've um, led to nearly 100,000 people. I had a lot of experiences. And 100,000 people is nothing compared to 8 billion people. And I really, really think that the 21st century is a century of consciousness, spirituality, the feminine. Um, and uh, I thought, okay, well, let's write a book and put everything in a book. And maybe, maybe one person will read it and it will make a difference. Literally, that's, that's why I, I uh, wrote it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be nagging you a bit here because last night mm. um, you mentioned to me twice. You said, mm. I will probably fail in my purpose with, yes. my, with this book. No, not with this book. With my per not with this book. Okay. I will probably fail in my purpose to transform the very culture of mankind, of humankind. To transform the culture of humankind, you know, we sitting in my house in the countryside in Provence, I, nobody knows me. I'm nobody. And I say that what I want to do is transform and participate in the transformation of the culture of humankind. And it makes me laugh. <laughs> But you know what? It gets me up in the morning, gets my blood going. It's worth my life. And every time I make a difference with one person, I'm happy. Isn't that selfish? It's uh, not as we say selfish. It is totally in my self-interest. It's very different, selfishness, self-interest. I want to link that to what the, the, the Dalai Lama said, that if you seek enlightenment for yourself, you're playing the game of the ego. And do you have to 
not that you have to, but that, um, well, I don't know how to put it in words now, but the, the, the kind of to search enlightenment for the whole planet. But you don't have to, right? So the, the thing is, if you hear something like what the Dalai Lama said, yeah. and then you say to yourself, I should do that, I should <laughs> serve others, then you're in the trap. So it's no, if you feel it. No, it's it. No, I think you're missing the point of the saying. The the point of the saying is you will not get what you are looking for, which is fulfillment, self-expression, and joy, if you seek enlightenment for yourself. It's not wrong. It's not bad. But you're a fool. It's like if I keep eating chocolate and want to lose weight, then I, I'm not bad. I'm not wrong. But, you know, if I eat that much chocolate every day, I am not going to lose weight. So if you want fulfillment, joy, satisfaction, self-expression. Don't seek enlightenment for yourself because that is not the path. But it is not wrong. And you shouldn't do anything else if that is what you need to do right now for yourself. Okay. Well, yeah. but I'm very ambitious. And yes. I also, like you, search for the extraordinary in yeah. life. Yeah. And so I want to understand fully what you're saying about uh, looking for your self-interest and waking up in the morning being on purpose. Yes not minding if you're actually going to succeed in your mission or, or fail and uh, looking for, you know, the well-being and enlightenment and the transformation mm. of the whole planet. Mm. Where do these two stand? Where, okay. where is the balance? Well, I can't be happy fully when I know little children are dying of hunger. I can't. Now, I know I'm hypersensitive and everybody called me very exhausting. <laughs> but I can't be happy knowing... That. I have this love for little children. I think little children should be sacred and everybody should take care of them, like, as a priority. Okay, so it's not that I spend all my day going, oh, a little child is dying right now. I do not live like that. I, I do not. I, I do not have guilt. I do not. I refuse to go to that world. And... I will not be fully fulfilled and joyful until I know the last little child on earth is safe. So, is it in my self-interest that everybody transform and that there is no conflict? And Yes, it is in my self-interest. It is in my self-interest that my brother is happy. It is in my self-interest that my nieces and nephew are fulfilled. It is in my self-interest that your life works. Hmm. Because when you become aware, you stop just looking at me, 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 me. You expand to the world. You do. You, you, you know, I have problems saying I'm French. I'm really a citizen of the world. I, 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 we all, well, I'm going to sound like a new age junkie, but we all won. What do you care if you sound like a new age junkie? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Are you talking about the survival of children and the well-being, the physical well-being of children? Uh, because one of the things you mention in, in the book is that we cannot uh, look for... We cannot discuss existential questions and want to transcend our ego if we are, have not first our physical needs covered, right? Oh, yes, you're talking about fear, right? Okay. Um, well, I was talking about lack of food, yeah, for example, yeah, yeah. about war, about yes, physical safety. Yes, yes. Well, it's very difficult to engage in the question like, who am I? Yeah. What is my life about if your child is dying of hunger? 
how can you say I'm going to educate people in ontological possibilities when that person is starving? I mean, let's get real, right? And we're not prehistoric in, in Middle Ages anymore. It is not acceptable that some people don't have enough to eat and don't have a roof over their head. And those two things, if they were handled, would allow for mankind, humankind, sorry, I'm really trained at saying mankind, but humankind, um, if, if everybody had enough to eat and a roof over their head, I think we could really engage into the conversation for what's possible. Only then? I can't see people that are surviving in survival physically with bomb falling on the head and the children dying I don't see how they would care about anything else than staying alive so wouldn't we have to wouldn't it be useful to work in different parts of the planet at different levels because those who are sending the bombs Maybe they have access to, because they're safe already, they have access to this other dimension that you talk about, but not the ones that are being bombed. killed, bombed. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, you have to work with everybody, for sure. You have to work for everybody. You know, when people are dominating and controlling and wanted to, to force their view on somebody and manipulate people... Those people are as trapped as anybody else. They, 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 but it's the same. That's what I want to say. They, they're not more. It's just a different trap. And, and what's underneath is all fear. So yes, uh, I don't know how to get to them. But um, you know, somebody once told me that you don't need to get to every single person in the world. You just need to get to a certain number And when that number is reached, there is a synergy that gets created and everybody follows. Critical mass. Critical mass, there, the word. That's right. So, hope they're right. <laughs> so, we only need a number of uh, aware um, public speakers, trainers, um, filmmakers, TV makers, journalists, people that can make a difference. That's right. We only need to reach that critical mass so that the whole uh, omelette turns. <laughs> it would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Then, then my dream becomes possible. Then who knows? I might win after all. <laughs> yeah, you may succeed in <laughs> well, your purpose in this you life. You know, there is a, an enormous ground, um, how do you say, um, ground roots? No. Uh, Grassroots. Grassroots movement about awareness. It is very exciting wherever you go. I mean, people are not eating animals anymore. People are speaking in a different language. People are inquiring into love, generosity, integrity, connection, consciousness, awareness. It's, it's very exciting. As much as there's conflict and horror, it's, we live in a duality world. There is this uh, grassroots movement that is extremely exciting. Let's talk about this duality. Mm. Um, about between the feminine and the masculine. So we've been living for the last centuries, I would say, for what I've been reading, not that I have in here, <laughs> that the masculine has been dominating, of course, our society. Uh, and this will to control, this authoritarianism, authority, authority um, 
So now we are kind of flipping to the other side, to a more feminine world. There are more women than ever leading companies, leading, um, well, I don't know if leading countries yet, definitely not enough. But would you say we need more of this feminine energy and more women leading in the world to be able to achieve this critical mass? Okay, but first you said we're flipping the other side. I really hope we're not doing that because that will be the same, right? I mean... So, um, I, I, I have a theory, obviously it's not the truth, I have no idea, right? But I think that, uh, I imagine that consciousness has no gender. I, I don't know, maybe it has, I don't know. I don't know, maybe there is a feminine and the masculine. But all I know is that the feminine and the masculine energy are different. Mm. I love the difference, by the way. And that there is space for both. And in fact, when the feminine is coupled with the masculine, and we both have, I want to make sure that I'm not talking about women and men. Okay, I am not talking about women and men. Um, the feminine and the masculine, we have that both in ourselves. When those are in harmony... There is a lot of power and, again, fulfillment, joy, peacefulness. So, yes, the masculine has dominated. And in my experience, which, again, I want to stress is not the truth, but in my experience working with people, the masculine ego is more difficult than the feminine ego. It, it tends to dominate a lot and control and, and force and take over. The feminine ego is, is easier, easier, I think, easier. I remember training people, I trained leaders to lead, and um, somebody with the masculine will come to me and say, how did I do? And the feminine will come to me and say, did they get it? So the feminine had their attention on others, while the masculine was, what about me? Mm. You see, yeah, it was very fascinating. I remember just saying, wow. Okay. So I also have compassion. If you have a lot of masculine in you, then you have a, a bit more work to <laughs> master your ego. Eckhart right? um, um, Tolle, who wrote The Power of Now, said that during the Inquisition in Spain, they killed three to five million women. So the feminine, so normally... In a woman body, you have more feminine, not all the time, but normally, right? Um, so the feminine must have been a threat to the masculine, for sure, and it still is, right? Many, many uh, people that have a lot of masculine say they don't understand the feminine, they can't get it. Um, so I think this century will be about the balance. But, 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 but what I'm really scared about, really scared about, right, is that the feminine will make the same mistake than the masculine. Like, we need to have as many head of companies as... It, it, relax. Mm. This is not how it will work. It will work in everyday life. With the masculine and the feminine just finding their place and finding the balance. I really do hope that the feminine won't make the masculine wrong. This will be such a mistake. This is what people don't understand. Gandhi, when he freed up India, didn't make the English wrong. Mm. He just told them, would you please go away? Mandela invited his jewelers at his inauguration. He didn't make them wrong. He said apartheid does not work. 
See, then it was powerful. So when you get into the right, wrong, true, false, should, shouldn't, then it will not work. You will create more conflict. So to talk in new age language, darkness can only be dissipated by light. Darkness cannot dissipate darkness. It's logical, right? Right. Okay, there it is. And also there's no darkness and light. There's just light and the lack of light. Okay. <laughs> no, sure. I mean, great. I mean, what's the point? <laughs> the point is that actually it's easier to turn the light on instead of fighting the darkness. Okay, I get that. Very good. Thank you. I got that. <laughs> Thank you for your gener generosity and your kindness. Um, it was a, it, it's an honor for me to be here. And you are a storyteller as well. Yes. We're all storytellers, yes. whether with ourselves, we tell stories to ourselves, or with others, we tell stories to others, to our circle, our intimate circle, our social circle. Uh, some people speak on stages, some people speak, speak on cameras, microphones, on books. Um, so what do, in your, in your view, what does the world need those, all the storytellers out there to do, to contribute to the end of human suffering? I think share their own experience. It's important that uh, we don't use the language of description to talk about things. So it's important that you put yourself in because you have access to authenticity then, right? So share your own experience, the experience of others, and as many different point of views about what's possible. So. The temporality people live in is the past, present, future. But the past and the future are not real. They, they, there is not a place called the past you can ever go back to or a place called the future. There is only right now, right? So what many people do is talk about the past, analyze the past, uh, regret the past, judge the past. And, and that's a big waste of time. So I think even if the past is very useful to learn, Right? So you have to get your lesson from what happened in the past. But to stop repeating the past, because if you look at the story of humankind, it's like a repeat, it's a constant repeat of the same thing. It's like right? on cycles, yeah. never-ending cycles. Mm. It's to, through sharing, through your experience and what you learn from what happened to you, it's to create what's possible. So that's what I will say. That's speak. Speak what's possible. Speak what you learn and what's possible. Inspire people. Touch people. Because inspiration, like dream, a, a life uh, without dream is, is um, miserable. And people don't even dare to dream anymore. You know, every time I say I'm participating in the transformation of the very culture of humankind, I love It's my dream, and, and I'm taking action to fulfill it. So dream, and speak your dream. 
speak them. If Gandhi didn't speak the freedom of India, it would not have happened. If Mandela had stayed silent about the end of apartheid, it would not have happened. If Martin Luther King didn't claim and scream about equality of races, we would not have advanced. So speak. Speak what's possible. Speak what inspires you. And you can always, always trust what inspires you. There is, you know, it's like a chord, you say, like in a... When it rings, you know something is real because you're inspired. You, you can never go wrong when you're inspired. Because you vibrate with it. You, that, that's right. There is a kind of vibration. If you listen to yourself, you will know. Mm. So. And how often do we um, put up with situations, experiences, people that don't really touch that chord and how often do we sacrifice our dream for the known because of uncertainty the known or the fear of a bad reputation the fear of the opinion of others the fear of being different it's all fear people we sell we all sell out for for by fear of standing out you know I got a neat nickname when I was a child called the crazy one it wasn't easy to carry it, because I was different I, I just didn't want to, to I just keep asking questions and <laughs> so you know I mean the, the the when there is you we live in a culture when there is an agreement it's very difficult to go against the agreement yeah and people very. that innovate usually well either not anymore but they used to get burned in the in the stake <laughs> look at homosexual the problem they had and still have I mean in Russia apparently they're not free to be and that's so you have to stand I think that's what's called taking a stand right You have to stand and then people will try to throw you off your stands and you keep standing and then people will get used to it. That's when we've identified that that's our dream and not our ego, right? Because some people are very stubborn and like, I want this, I want this, I want this, thinking that this is what they really want. When in reality, it's just the story of their life that's telling them you need this in order to be protected or to be right, or to be mm. in control. Well, when you have a dream and you have a mission, nobody suffers from it. It's a game where everybody wins. That would be, you know, then at least you know if you're in possibility land. When you're in the world of possibility, nobody loses. It's, that's a marvelous game. Everybody wins. <laughs> Even if they don't like your possibility, they still don't lose. Let me read the, the description that you give about um, you give of authenticity in the glossary at the end. Um, if I can find it here. Oh, you don't have a definition of authenticity. Mm -mm. Authenticity is not there. So I need to ask you. Okay, tell me in, in ten or less words, <laughs> what is authenticity? It's it's. Um It's knowing that there is no truth, I would say. That nothing is real. So that's a tool to transcend the ego. 
knowing that everything we think is real is just. But you remember, I told you we need an ego here. I think. We what? We need an ego. I'm talking to you right now. But I'm not nothing. I'm actually talking. That is an ego. I, I'm not that way when I don't give an interview. Of course. See, I'm trying to be clear and concise and stand straight and look at you and and hoping that everybody's going to understand. So I'm putting on clarity and focus and I'm speaking in an intelligible way. Hmm. I hope <laughs> that is what somebody would call an ego. But you, it's it's you. When I, yeah. So there is nothing wrong with the ego if you know that you have a choice in the matter that you're the source of it. Because if I sat here being silent mm -hmm. and in nothing meditating, you would not have an interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see the point. Mm. So you want to let go of the fear of the ego. It's, it's, there is nothing wrong with ego. As long as you're aware of it. That's right. The key is awareness. So tell me, uh, tell me about your, you have a, a program, right, that you call Access to Awareness. Mm -hmm. And is, is this what you teach people? Yes. Yes, everything I've spoke to you. I, 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 I'm exactly the same in this interview than I will be in doing my courses or my sessions, except that when I do one-on-one -on -one sessions, obviously what we do is that we get into the life of the, my student from birth to where they are now and, and until they are crystal clear about how they build their ego. So it's personal. And once you really know your ego well, then it's when you... You can. You don't need to be attached to it. Mm. So that you detach from your ego and you leave. Yeah, no. Once you got into the source of your ego and you see it, then the work starts. That was the easy part. Oh. You see, when you do like, you know, the sessions with me or whatever, then that's easy. I'm there. So we laugh and we look and I show you where you didn't look and all that. Ten sessions. Oh, fantastic! Right. That's a great time. Easy. Then, that's when people just quit because why because we go to habit right so in my book i put a chapter on the brain the cortex yeah and habits you know are the most difficult thing to transform so once you got to the source of your ego you got it you you i put it together myself i can create what i want i have the power of creation i've got my free will back Now you go back to your life and then you have to build new registers, new habits, new structures to fit what you have now want to create. And the pool of the habits is enormous. And that's when some people quit. That's why I, I just speak to my students once a month after that and I do some online seminar so that the conversation can, uh, can keep uh, being alive. Because, you know, the pool of the habits, you know, New Year's Eve resolution, right? Yeah. Everybody stops smoking, stop eating chocolate, loses weight, exercise on the 1st of January. I think it lasts, what, three hours? <laughs> yeah, well, habits. Once I signed up for a, for a gym mm -hmm. uh, about 10 years ago <laughs> yeah. on the 2nd of January, yeah. and I went three times. <laughs> and then one year after, when I could yeah. cancel, I canceled. Yeah. Because nobody told me I had to actually go. I just, just was signing up and that was, that was the work. So, yeah, habits and just discovering the power of habits. Yeah. Uh, so, do you, do you, would you say there are lots of um, 
programs out there because coaching, what they call coaching mm-hmm. nowadays, is so, so trendy, right? They find coaches well, people, everywhere. Uh, that's what I was saying, the grassroots movement. There is a movement where people just seek awareness. It, uh, it makes me rejoice. There is so many things. There is meditation, there is hypnosis, and, and, and there is everything. Everything, everything. You can do anything as long as what you want is awareness and, you know, uh, there is body work as well. I, for years, I did all this uh, awareness work, and then I suddenly realized, well, what about my body? My body, my body. And then I discovered that things from my past were actually physically in my body. So it was fascinating. I discovered a whole new world. And then I went to nutrition and, and, and saw the power of food and what it gave to me. And then I went to dancing. Can you believe I got transformed in learning to dance the tango? That was one of the biggest contributions I would have never guessed. <laughs> so, anything, as, where, as long as you bring awareness. Just find the road that suits you the best. Mm. But, and, not but, and, uh, I had a lot of masters because I learned humility. So, and also, I'm somebody practical and I don't want to spend 35 years handling a problem. Do you understand? I want it fast. If I decide, if I want to handle something, I don't want to spend 25 years agonizing over it. So, I I learned to choose my masters for each thing that I took on. So, find somebody you trust, learn what they have to give you, and once you've learned, move on. That's the nature of life. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how I did it anyway. And that I still do it. I, I like to meet people that are at another level. They create a gap for me. And, and, and I want what they have. So that's why I call them masters. Is because until I learn what they have, I'm going to serve them and listen to them. Yeah, I love learning. And then you look for another master. Yeah, then, then something else will come up. But there is a time also when, that's why I started Access to Awareness, where I need to give back what I have. I can't be the eternal student, because that also becomes an ego and a protection. Instead right. of being a teacher, then I hid behind being a student, and somebody actually told me to stop doing that. Oh. But you've, <laughs> I listened. Been, you've been both at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I about what, what life is about, right? You, yes. You're both a teacher and, and a yes, student. Yes, that's true. Yes, I, I think I'll be an eternal student, but it's also the, the, the giving away of what I have needs to be a priority. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, we could be talking about this for hours. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think I got a lot from this conversation, Sophie. Thank you very much, Sophie MacLean. Um I, 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 labels are so hard to put. So I would just say, wonderful human being, wonderful consciousness. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And Albert, I want to thank you for coming all the way from your hometown and from being someone that is interested in making a difference in the world. And um, you see, I feel never alone because there's people like you that are taking on to do what you do. So I thank you, I honor you, and I had fun. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sophie. Hi. <laughs>